Hi there, welcome to Ed's Up, the podcast all about children and those who care for them. I'm Dr. Melody Musgrove. And I'm Dr. Kathy Grace. We're with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Melody, today we are very fortunate to have Dr. Tanja Rucker. She is the Program Director of Early Childhood Success at the National League of Cities. And her job is really to work with cities they have selected to further their attempts in early childhood education taking into account a large metro area. And so, you know, as looking across the country, and as you have traveled when your previous role with the U.S. Department of Education, you know that there are very specific needs that are unique to metro areas, just as there are to rural areas. Uh, if you would, just share a little bit of what your observations were when you went to larger cities like a Boston or an Atlanta, and some of the struggles that the city had, perhaps, in working with school districts. So, you know, it's interesting, Kathy, you're exactly right. You know, there are some a lot of similarities, but there are also a lot of differences between rural and urban environments. Some of the urban environments really have challenges with, you know, bringing the community in with, um, you know, with safety, with accessibility, with politics. All of the cities are dealing with, you know, everybody. Is, we have to accept the reality that politics is one of the things that we have to deal with in trying to improve the, you know, outcomes for children in our cities and in our rural areas. So, you know, I did see a lot of a lot of red tape sometimes, a lot of bureaucracy in cities. And so, you know, city leadership has a lot of challenges that they have to try to work through to really try to get things done in the limited amount of time that, you know, mayors and other elected officials have in office. Well, I know one of the more well-known programs that happened in New York City is the Harlem Children's Zone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, a very dynamic leader, Greg Canada, Jeffrey, excuse me, Jeffrey Canada, led that whole initiative and actually transformed a fairly significant part of the city. Mm-hmm. And it was so successful that model has been taken and has been utilized through funding through the U.S. Department of Education into other cities across the country that had focus on primarily low-income children, children that were in low housing and uh, neighborhoods that weren't exactly safe. And I think that one of the things, as you mentioned, the politics always comes into play, whether or not they're school politics or politics that have to do with the leadership, mayors, city councils, and so forth. I remember uh, several years ago when there was really a blizzard in New York City and uh, the schools were kept open and there was criticism on national level that they had made that decision to keep the schools open. And finally, a response came from a representative of the schools and said, you don't understand if the school's not open, the children can't eat because that was the primary source of their meals. And so it was not necessarily that they were uh, saying that we should go on and have school for the sake of academics. It was back to basic needs that the school was meeting. Well, I think that's a good reminder, Kathy, that in many cases, children in difficult environments are safer they are in a better environment when they are at school. They have, you know, they are safe, they are well taken care of, they have food. So I think we do have to remember that for some children, school is the safest, most conducive environment for their growth where they can be. Well, let's hear what Dr. Rucker has to say and appreciate the time that she spent with us. All right. Well, we are so fortunate today to have Dr. Tanja Rucker, Program Director for uh, Early Childhood Success at the National League of Cities. Dr. Rucker, welcome. Thank you for having me. 
Great. Uh, the National League of Cities is meeting here in Oxford today. They came in and met yesterday in Memphis, and we are delighted to be hosting them here at the Inn at Ole Miss. So, Dr. Rucker, why don't you tell us a little bit about your job and the mission of this initiative with the National League of Cities? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. We're so pleased to be here. Um, I direct the early childhood success work at the National League of Cities. Um, I've been at that helm for 10 years now. And so our goal is to build the capacity of city leaders to ensure that they have the tools and resources that they need to um, be able to not just oversee the traditional needs of cities, but also to oversee the needs of young children and families. And recently, one of the areas that have really rose to the top of mind of elected officials is how can they support early childhood workforce? And as you know, as leaders are thinking about you know economic growth and development, certainly a, a key sector of, of of jobs and employment is the early childhood workforce. And so we're working with a number of municipal leaders, not just mayors, but city council members, city managers, and really helping them think about how to build the capacity and supports that are necessary for our early childhood workforce to be successful so that they can create learning environments in the classroom that are optimal for growth and development. That's great. We are so delighted about this initiative that the National League of Cities is working on and your work um, in in this area. So in your work um, with cities across the country, what are some of the challenges that you found to be kind of universal across cities in their attempts to to develop high-quality early childhood programs regardless of the size or the geographical location? Well, you know, Kathy, one thing that we found is that regardless of where um, cities are located, I think all of our elected officials are really concerned and really invested in and want to support the um, young children. And so um, as we think about if you're a city leader and the multiple competing agendas that are coming at you, you know, you're not only responsible for like the roads and, and trash pickup or the economic growth and increasing your tax base, but how do you have a strong human service? agenda. So one of the challenges is that, you know, we're still in recovery mode. Cities are, are, are trying to find their way back from the, the recession. And so in terms of tax base and um, income, um, the, you, know, you have to kind of look at your budget and figure out like where you're going to do your investing. And so I think one of the things that have driven um, early childhood to the top of mind is the science and data. And so that really resonates when you can come with the science of the importance of the early years and the return on investment. So, you know, there's still competing agendas, but I do think with the science and data, we've really gotten the attention of a lot of local elected officials. Um, But there is that competing agenda items. And also, I think one of the challenges that cities that we find when working with city leaders, you know, is the ever-changing landscape politically. And, um, you know, some mayors are termed out and and others are, um, you know, there's elections and there's a desire sometimes just for something new. And so we're finding um, new leaders coming aboard. There's a lot of excitement around um, running for office now. and, and, And so, with that comes a lot of, of transition in, in terms of priorities and agendas. And so when you have a new um, official come on board, sometimes you have to kind of re- readjust and kind of give them time to get their footing and, and then work with them to build their capacity around an agenda. So I just think navigating the political landscape and the changing um, um, face of, of leadership, but certainly I think in terms of challenges around early learning is the segmented um, approach that we find in the early learning space. Mm. I think cities are looking to do better and to um, and for certainly at the National League of Cities our goal is to provide supports and resources so that they can better align 
and have services that are more connected and not just so um, disparate in terms of how they approach service delivery. So looking at that from a systems approach and how do we help leaders think about early learning as a system, not just a, a program of literacy, like a reading program or something at the library or you know very disconnected um, programs, but look at this as a system with adherent policies to help guide that work. And so I think the challenge of getting that systems mindset and developing policies that undergird um, the the focus of the program and service delivery. So those are a couple of challenges. And of course, the siloed funding, Mm. thinking about how we can help leaders think more, um, how to blend and braid funding and services in an effective way. So those are just some of the challenges that we're seeing. But um, hopefully, I think the work work with the National League of Cities, we're helping our leaders build that capacity and, and providing them with practical strategies and best practices. And there's nothing like that peer-to-peer learning so that we can get them together to have these important conversations, learn from each other, and then have implementation across the nation. Yes, I mean, you were talking about you know, what the research tells us. We had uh, Professor James Heckman from the University of Chicago yes. here and in Mississippi, and just t- what he says is that human development is economic development. Yes. That yes. the wisdom and what the research tells us about um, investing in personnel, investing in our people, that you know, we know that the return on early childhood, high quality early childhood programs is astonishing. I mean, yes. a you know, 13.5% annualized return on investment is just smart, is just smart yes. practice. Yes. And that resonates with city leaders, you know, and, and I think they're looking for that data and that science. It it has really helped us to um, develop robust agendas amongst our members. And, and that's science. Um, you know, sometimes we, we operate very disconnected from the, the science and the research. And so when we're able to bring those two worlds together and have spokespersons such as Dr. Heckman and other economists to kind of carry the, the mandate for us, it really does resonate with elected officials. Yes. Um, so on these 10 years that you've been there with the National League of Cities, what what do your experiences tell you about community leaders' understanding of the relationship between high-quality early childhood education and workforce development? We were just talking about what the research is telling us, but kind of where do you see community leaders in terms of their understanding of that? Are, are they embracing it and and able to – I know, like you said, there's competing agendas, so it's hard to figure out you know yeah. where to put – there's only so many, so much money, so many people, yeah. so, much, so many hours in the day. But kind of what, what are you seeing as far as community leaders' understanding of that relationship between workforce development and early childhood? Well, you know, I think we're at a, at a point in time where we've, we've done the basic data and science and we've got them at the table and they, they really get the return on investment. And so, so now we're at a space, a very interesting place where I think the timing is right for this workforce conversation. And to be honest, I think we have haven't done a good job of making that connection. And so I think now we're in the place of where, you know, mayors have, you know, one of their top priorities, usually safety and economic growth and development. You know, those are probably top of mind for all leaders. Sure. And there is a place for the early childhood workforce. And so when we have the past two years of this project that we've been, um, and it brings us to Mississippi today is, um, you know, we've two years of culmination of working with city leaders around like why, 
the workforce should be elevated amongst the early childhood conversation. And so I think we've gotten a great traction where we're able to find good entry points of how the workforce is connected to the the agendas that's already established around economic development and growth. And there's there's a number of common points of intersection. And so where we're able to say, okay, you've already have this agenda around economic mobility for residents and just plugging in the, the workforce mm-hmm. into these already existing agenda items. Um, it makes sense. And I, we have leaders that are very much have an appetite to figure out the role of municipal government and what resources they can bring to bear to ensure that the workforce has the supports that they need. So I think the timing is right. We've done our homework and we've gotten them at the table with the, the basic research. And now we're at the table with, as you're thinking about your economic agendas you know, the workforce. And this is why you should also be invested in thinking about this sector as you think about the economic vitality of your city. And and so I think we are at a good point in time to have that conversation and mayors have um, a very much an appetite to figure out like, well, how can we plug that in? Now, I'm going to make an assumption here and you feel free to tell me if this is an incorrect assumption, but it seems that, you know, for a long time that uh, leadership in cities was working with their state government to you know, try to increase state funding or to get state funding for high-quality early childhood. And there just doesn't seem to be much of an appetite for that these days, um, especially recently. So, I mean, do you think that's safe to say that mayors are realizing that if it's going to get done in their city, that it's going to be their their, yeah. their responsibility. Oh yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know, mayors are very much at first to say, you know, we are held accountable because we live and we see our constituents every single day, and we're resp- we have to be responsive to the needs. And and there is a, a bit of a frustration with mm-hmm. state. And, and at the federal level as well in terms yes. of pace and, and focal points. And so a lot of our members are like, well, we have to figure this out. You know, we have to figure out solutions. And we certainly at the National League of Cities, we believe that cities are the primary um, places for innovation. You know, yes. where you're going to find solutions, it's going to be at the local level. And so we do have um, elected officials that are committed to, to being solution oriented and figuring out how they can best be responsive to the emerging, the ever changing and emerging needs of their constituents. And so mm-hmm. there is a, a, a heads down, let's figure this out. But they do operate in a context that you can't ignore. And so yes. we at the National League of Cities are, are looking for ways to kind of bridge that that divide. And, and so we're like today we're here in Mississippi and we have have a number of state leaders that are going to be on part of our panel and mm-hmm. and and I think there is there is opportunity here um, as local leaders are taking the step for leadership and innovation but to also work with their state counterparts and their leaders at the state and even holding out hope federally you know at the national level you know there's there's still opportunities and and I think part of our role at the National League of Cities is that alignment federal state local So finally, what would be your advice to community leaders and economic development personnel in cities of various sizes as they're looking at developing a 10-year plan? I guess, you know, I think as I think about my tenure at the National League of Cities is that if you kind of, you know, you may have a 10 year goal and and there's a a clear outcome that you would like to achieve, but setting like realistic goals for yourself and and bite size, you know, wins locally, kind of pacing yourself. um, This work takes time and uh, we're always operating in a 
uh, context in which there's a lot of vitality and, and at the federal and you know we just we live in an ever-changing world and landscape so yes. I think my advice for elected officials is to set realistic goals um, that lead toward a, a you know for instance you said a 10-year plan I think you need to be innovative in in partnerships and, and reaching out across the aisle um, yeah I see a lot of local officials working with their county counterparts mm-hmm. you know thinking about local um, city county partnerships thinking outside of the box in terms of sectors that may not have traditionally been at the table, uh, but thinking very diverse in terms of the partnerships and the outreach that that local officials can do. And um, just looking for um, points of intersection. I don't think we have to recreate the wheel all the time. And for City Hall to really kind of take a look at the work that's already underway across their city and and really finding those entry points of of working with those partners, but not recreating the wheel and, and just being respectful of the history of the work and as a new officials come on board, you know, there's things that you can build upon to make your, your and create your own legacy mm-hmm. and your own agendas. And so I think those are things that, um, as we've seen over the past 10 years um, that I've worked at the National League of Cities, is those leaders that can find um, value and, and, and kind of look back and learn, but then also thinking about looking forward with those innovative partnerships and finding those natural points of intersection. And, um, you know, looking across the political aisle, I think locally folks are just like want to get things done. Yes. And so I think they're just looking um, um, broadly and casting the net wide for for those folks to kind of come to the table. And so, yes, well, you know, the polling shows you know, most Americans are very frustrated with the lack of uh, yeah. the functionality of government and, and they want people to work together to get things done for the common good. Yeah. And you know, I think elected officials have to be thinking about the mm-hmm. fact that you know they they are kind of term limited so i know they must feel a sense of urgency to get things done during the limited amount of time that they have but um it seems to me that having that broad support is the best broad you know bipartisan support is the best way to sustain things when your tenure is over if yeah. you've got broad support have you found that to be true around um, this this issue of early childhood oh most mm-hmm. definitely you know looking for efficiency i think one thing that we i've seen like just smarter management of government like folks really want to do a good job and how do we manage i think elected officials see themselves as stewards and so if you come in for a, a you know a term how can i be the best steward of what's been given to me and certainly I think putting aside, there's always more that we can agree upon than the differences. And so I think I'm just excited about the the leaders that I see emerging. As I, I referenced earlier, there's a number of new leaders that are um, folks that are running for office and they're really looking for, you know, where do we have in common and where can we work together and starting there, you know, and not starting at where we differ, but starting where we're aligned and where we all agree. And, and I think young kids and is something that everybody agrees upon in the science and the data supports that. And so I'm excited about where we are at the local level. And and certainly there's opportunities for innovation that I think will help families and kids uh, maximize their potential and be the most successful. Well, thank you for that very optimistic and positive I am message. Optimistic. I think that is a message that we all want to hear <laughs> yeah. these days. So. Well, that's part of the this challenge. I think there's a lot of sometimes the news is is just there's a lot of good things are happening and folks are, are looking for opportunities to to be engaged. And I think we're at a point in time where we can make some really great things happen for the nation. Our guest today has been Dr. Tanja Rucker, Program Director of Early Childhood Success at the National League of Cities. Well, Melody, we certainly heard a lot of information there that Dr. Rucker provided, particularly for those who are interested in community development, local community development, and perhaps maybe the 
whole notion of investing in young children uh, is something that hasn't really been pursued in some of our communities. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, as we love to quote Professor James Heckman, who we had here in Mississippi, there is no greater return on investment uh, that I know of than investing in young children. 13.5% annualized return on investment. Most investors would take that and sprint to the bank with it. Uh, when you look at like the return on investment in bonds and uh Savings bonds right now is somewhere around 2%. So 13.5% return on investment, which is realized through you know, increased earning potential, lower rates of involvement in special education, lower rates of addiction, lower rates of obesity. I mean, there's just so many benefits. And it was really encouraging to hear Dr. Rucker talk about how many mayors are really interested in this as an economic development issue, that investing in young children is an investment in the future of their cities and in our communities. Well, and so many small communities are struggling now because of the fact that they don't have jobs that are of what you would consider to be wage that supports a quality or even a decent type of life in, for a family. And so when we look at smaller communities that really want to put themselves on the map as far as investing in their own residents so that they will be able to attract industry and business, then what better way to do that than to look seriously at how to invest in the education of young children. And they can start to see big payoffs as far as within two or three years regarding how many children are not in special education as they once were, how many children are not having to repeat a grade, uh, the fact that there are other opportunities for industry and business to locate now that they are convinced that a community is making that investment. So it goes, as you said, to the point that we've got to look at investing in young children. Uh, It is not something that we can afford not to do. It's just a question of whether or not we've been educated to know that high return that you just mentioned. Yeah, well, and of course, you know, the truth is it is an investment. Many people see it, oh, this is an expense that we just cannot afford. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. If we look at this as it's an investment in our our people, an investment in our communities, an investment in our future, then we look very differently at, you know, the role of early childhood in the future of our state. We want to thank Dr. Rucker again for spending time with us. And if you're interested to know more about her work, then I would suggest that you go to the National League of Cities website, nlc.org, and search for early childhood. So now it's time for our lit bit. I'm sure a lot of you were like me when you were young children. I love to climb trees. And so today we're going to share the poem, Every Time I Climb a Tree, by David McCord. Every time I climb a tree, every time I climb a tree, every time I climb a tree, I scrape a leg or skin a knee. And every time I climb a tree, I find some ants or dodge a bee and get the ants all over me. And every time I climb a tree, where have you been, they say to me. But don't they know that I am free every time I climb a tree? I like it best to spot a nest that has an egg or maybe three. And then I skin the other leg, but every time I climb a tree, I see a lot of things to see. Swallows, rooftops, and TV, and all the fields and farms there be. Every time I climb a tree, though climbing may be good for ants, it isn't awfully good for pants, but still it's pretty good for me every time I climb a tree. That's Every Time I Climb a Tree by David McCord. Give your child the gift of language through poetry. We appreciate your joining us for this episode of Ed's Up. We're always interested in stories about children and those who care for them. If you'd like to share your story, email us at edsup at oldmiss.edu. Until next time, bye-bye. 
Heads Up is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity.